Amen. Good morning. How's everyone this morning? Good. Amen. You can hear me okay? Yeah, good. I don't want to be obnoxious, but I want you to be able to hear me still. Amen. It's a wonderful morning. Good to see the sun shining out there. I believe the Lord's given me a message this morning that just fits along with the theme that we've been talking about over the last month or so. And the theme that I believe God's given to us as a church, and I, in fact, even beyond that, maybe to the church universal, is this, that there's a harvest coming. That there's a future harvest and that, that we need to get ready for that harvest. And so we began to talk about that a little bit. One of the, the themes that we started with in the early weeks was this. If you want to harvest, what do you have to do? You got to sow something, right? And so we actually did that. That's what these little uh, uh, things, these are not decorative because uh, some of you might be saying these aren't very decorative at this point. But uh, we planted seeds. Many, How many here planted seeds a couple weeks ago? I think it was about four weeks ago. And so you can see they began to grow and sprout and, and they're growing. And uh, I've had many requests of what actually did we plant? I guess some of you are wondering whether you, uh, you know, done something wrong. I, I, I don't know, but you're very curious. So this is what we've planted. They'll put it up on the uh, screen there. Ca calendula. It's some kind of wildflower. Uh, that's what it's supposed to be. And so that is what we are sowing for and believing for. Having said that, there is one renegade seed that got planted here. We thought it was a tomato plant, but apparently it is a bitter melon vine. Now, what's interesting about this thing, it's a weed, right? You know, so I, you know, there's a part of me that wants to rip it out, another part that says, hey, let's see what happens kind of thing. But I will note this, and this is just fits along with what we've been talking about. So, so these uh, boxes we take and put in my office during the week, and they go under artificial light, and it's warm up there because it's quite cold here in the sanctuary. And so while they're up there, you know, they, they get brought down. So they got brought down about 8.30 this morning, and they got put here. And this particular bitter root melon vine thing was drooped over this way. And so as the hour went by, it now has turned towards the light. Now, I don't know about you, but this bitter melon weed thing is smart enough to turn towards the light. You, you hear where I'm going with this? How much more should us with a brain, with the ability to understand and perceive, turn towards the light of Jesus. You know, if, if, you get what I'm saying, if the stupid plant doesn't have a brain, knows enough to turn towards the light, how much more should you and I be turning towards the light of Jesus? Let me tell you something, your life is hidden in Christ Jesus. You were once in darkness, but you are now light of the Lord. Walk ye as children of light, that's what Ephesians 5.8 says. You know, we're all called to be in the light. And the light is here for you today. And when I say that, I'm not talking about the lights in the ceiling. I'm talking about the light and life of Jesus is here and available for each and every one of you. And I can't encourage you enough to soak that in and let the presence of Jesus become more real to you today than he's ever been. It's life-changing. So we've been talking about faith in line with that harvest. And last week, we talked about if we had the, the faith the size of a mustard seed, which, by the way, is almost microscopic, that you can move a mountain. Pretty cool, right? And so often I heard it preached that those mountains are your circumstances in your life and, and, and all of that. And that could be, and, and there's scripture to support that, and I, I'm all for that. But we're actually talking about the mountains that are on the inside of us. 
Those mountains that are actually bigger on the inside than the ones on the outside. The ones that hamper us and hinder us. I had the opportunity uh, uh, yesterday, in fact, to take uh, some of my grandchildren to Holy Cow Ice Cream. See, my wife Sandra's away, so I'm a bit of a renegade, all right? Uh, she's away visiting family in Canada, so she actually comes back today, praise the Lord. Look forward to that. But yesterday, I was feeling a little lonely. So I called up my one group of kids and uh, my, my one daughter and said, hey, you want to go to Holy Cow Ice Cream? On me. You know, I'll pay for it. I, you know, I'll do anything I can to get time with my grandkids. And she's like, no, we were at the mall all day. We're all kind of tired. I'm fine. So I, I go down my neck to the next kid, right? And, and it turned out that kid was carless because his wife was away. I'm like, okay, look, it, I'll provide the car. I'll provide the money. Do you want to go? Yes. So I got them hooked up. And then my one daughter or granddaughter from the one that said no said they, she wanted to go as well. So it turns out my son, me, and my three granddaughters are in the back seat. And so we're, we're, we're heading to Holy Cow Ice Cream. So uh, I'm happy. Everybody, everybody's happy. But as I was driving, I, I was, my grandkids, they're tormenting me and teasing me. The oldest one is 14. And, you know, innocent yet sassy. You know what I'm saying? You know, just, just wonderful. So I'm, I'm just talking with them. And, and, you know, somewhere along on the trip, I don't know whether it was going or coming, I said to them, I said, you know that the sky's the limit for you three that you could do anything that you want. You can do it. And they're like, oh, Grandpa. You know, I'm like, no, I'm serious. You can do this. Now, what was I doing? I was putting seeds into them, good seeds. You know, they haven't, their innocence hasn't been challenged. They haven't been bashed to the ground and beaten up a whole lot at this point in life. And so literally the sky's the limit. But here's the thing. That same word that I gave them is for you right now. You know, you might say, well, look, you know, I've had, some, I've had some life happen. Had some bumps and some bruises, some bang-ups. And, you know, right now maybe you're in a storm going on in life right now even. And you're like, I don't feel the sky's the limit. I feel like just getting out of bed in the morning is my limit. Or just getting to my job is my limit. Let me tell you something. Those are limits that the world has put on you. Those are limits that maybe circumstances has put on you. But let me tell you something. God says the sky's the limit. And are you willing to begin to believe that? You see, that's what real faith is. That's what we've been talking about the last couple of weeks, is the ability to trust God for the more than who you are or what you have right now. Now, you may be in a good place. You may not be. But all I can tell you is that God has a future that's bright for you. It's bright for those around you. Why? Because you're facing the sun. You're facing Jesus. And as you face Jesus and take him in and soak in him, in turn then you can give out what you've experienced in him. Can you say amen to that? Amen. You know, I want to encourage you with that this morning. You know, when we become born again, it's literally we become born again. What does that mean? We get to start again. Start afresh. Start new. The, the, the whiteboard is blanked out. You know, you may have a checkered past. I, I've got some stuff in my past that I would rather not have had happen. Anybody have a few of those things? Yeah, well, other than Norman, everyone else put up their hand. Because it's the reality of it. We all, we all have that stuff. Now, here's the thing. You can either choose to let that thing or things from your past hold you back from your future. Or you can choose to say, yeah, that happened back there. But I'm a new creation in Christ Jesus. God's got a plan for my life. I have a bright future in him. And to make that decision to move forward in him. Amen. Let's stop looking in the rearview mirror 
and start looking at the big windscreen of life that God's got before us. Amen? God's got great things for every single person here. Sitting here, watching online, I promise you that. And you might say, well, how can, how can you don't know my circumstance? Listen to me. I know what the Word says. And here's what the Word says, that when we finish this life as believers in Christ, here's what the Word says. We get to stand before Jesus, and He welcomes us. And He says, well done, good and faithful servant. Enter into the joy of the Lord. That's the scriptures. That's what the word says. And you might say, well, I haven't done this or I haven't done that. Listen to me. Did you accept Jesus as your Lord and Savior? Let me, let me, let me say something to you. God is well pleased with you with that fact alone. So often we think now we got to keep working to get our way to heaven. We got to do this. We got to do that to please him. Listen to me. If you've accepted Jesus, you have pleased him. Why? Because he paid the price on the cross. And it pleases him when people accept what he has done for them. It's like they said yes to the gift. Isn't that a good thing? Now listen, God's called us to do stuff too. We're going to read about that in a few, few minutes. But the thing is, God is well pleased with you right here and right now. Can you say amen to that? Amen. Get past yourself. I'm just going to be, just get past yourself. When you think, well, I'm not good enough for this or I can't do that. Put all that aside. You are more than enough to Jesus because you said yes to him. Say amen to that. Amen. You're his child. You are loved. He loves you so very much. And the harvest is ripe. And it's our job to let the world know that God loves them just like he loves you and I. That's really what we're called to do. So we talked about that. We talked about uh, the different kinds of faith, that, that there's a kind of faith that you get from God right from the get-go, and it's a measure of faith. Uh, Romans 12, 3 says that God's given us a measure of faith, uh, kind of like a sample pack, in a sense of, of faith, so that we can do, begin to grow in it and trust Him and believe Him. But the Bible also talks about the fact that we need to grow faith as well. Says that we go from faith to faith, from glory to glory. And how does that happen? Well, as you trust God in a certain area of your life and, and, and it works, you're like, whoa, this works. Then you can go to another level in Him and believe for more and believe for more. You, you see where I'm going with this. And so, in a sense, your faith level is dependent upon you, your trust level in Jesus. The more you trust Him, the more you see Him work, the more you can trust Him, the more He works. Amen? That, that's how it works. And so often we say, well, Jesus, just show me and I'll believe. And what does Jesus say? Believe and I will show myself to you. And so we have to trust him. That's what faith is, is trusting him. Amen. So what I want to do now, I'm going to do something really quite different. Um, normally I don't do something like this on, on a Sunday morning. We're actually going to look at an account, a story that happened in the book of Acts. We're going to read through its entirety. And, and I know for many of us, we're going to suffer some withdrawals. Now, here's what I mean. You know, nowadays, you know, we watch shorts on YouTube. Anybody watch shorts on YouTube? A couple minutes long, right? What about on Facebook? Same kind of thing. They got these little short video clips that you can watch. And so literally, you're like, you could just like sit there and so just feed me, right? You get this audio stimulation. You get a video stimulation. But I want to do something old school today. I'm going to read a story, and you can make your own pictures, yeah, do you remember ever doing that? You can do this. I know, I know it's hard, especially for some of you young people. You're like, what do you mean, no pictures? No, no pictures. You make your own. 
And so here's the thing, as I read this account from the scriptures, and it's, a, it's actually an incredible story, it'd be a great script for a movie actually, but as I read this account, you can see the words will be up on the screen if you want to look at them, or just close your eyes and make a movie. If you've never done that, I encourage you, just sit back, let the chair hold you, as you hear what I'm reading, see it unfold in your mind's eye. And then we're going to go back and visit it. The Lord's got three things that he wants to show us in this. And it has to do with how to deal with life. I don't know about you, but uh, the title for, for this week is, is Having Faith for Your Future. And this is how to prepare for that very thing. All right? So that's what we're going to do. So if you have your app, you want to read it on your app or your Bible, however you want to, it's going to begin in Acts chapter 27. Just to give you a little bit of background, the book of Acts covers about 30 years of time. So at the beginning, it's the death, burial, resurrection of Jesus. He ascends into heaven. And then basically, the book of Acts covers roughly the next 30 years of time. So this is probably 25, 26, 27 years past Jesus going to heaven, all right? And it's about the Apostle Paul. He's been arrested. Uh, he got arrested for preaching the gospel. Uh, the Jews wanted to kill him. So he appeals to Caesar. And so that famous line from uh, one of the judges says, well, you've appealed to Caesar, to Caesar you shall go. And so that's where we're picking up the story now, all right? So Acts 27, beginning in verse 1. Again, watch on the screens, close your eyes, see the story unfold in your mind, and then we'll visit it. Acts 27, verse 1. And, it was, and when it was decided that we should sail to Italy, they delivered Paul and some other prisoners to one named Julius a centurion of the Augustan regiment. So entering a ship of Adoretium, we put out to sea, meaning to sail along the coasts of Asia. Articulus, a Macedonian of Thessalonica, was with us. The next day we landed at Sidon, and Julius treated Paul kindly and gave him liberty to go to his friends and receive care. When we put out to sea from there, we sailed under the shelter of Cyprus because the winds were contrary. And when we had sailed over the sea, which is off Sicilia and Pamphylia, we came to Myra, the city of Lyca. There the centurion found an Alexandrian ship sailing to Italy, and he put us on board. When we sailed slowly many days and arrived with difficulty off, uh, off uh, Cnidus, the wind not permitting us to proceed, we sailed under the shelter of Crete off Salomon. Passing it with difficulty, we came to a place called Fair Havens, near the city of Lassia. Now, when much time had been spent and sailing was now dangerous because the fast had already come, Paul advised them, saying, Men, I perceive this voyage will end with disaster and much loss, not only of the cargo and ship, but also our lives. Nevertheless, the centurion was more persuaded by the helmsman and the owner of the ship than by the things spoken by Paul. And because the harbor was not suitable to winter in, the majority advised to set sail from there also, if by any means they should reach Phoenix, a harbor of Crete, opening towards the southwest and northwest, and winter there. Verse 13. When the south wind blew softly, supposing that they had obtained their desire, putting out to sea, they sailed close by Crete. But not long after, a tempestuous headwind arose, called a Euryclidon. We call it a northeaster here. So when the ship was caught and could not head into the wind, we let her drive. 
And running under the shelter of an island called Claudia, we secured the skiff with difficulty. When they had taken it on board, they used cables to undergird the ship. And fearing lest they should run aground on the Sirtis sands, they struck sail and so were driven. And because we were exceedingly tempest-tossed, the next day they lightened the ship. On the third day, we threw the ship's tackle overboard with our own hands. Now when neither sun nor stars appeared for many days and no small tempest beat on us, all hope that we would be saved was finally given up. But after long abstinence from food, then... Paul stood in the midst of them and said, Men, you should have listened to me and have not sailed from Crete and incurred this disaster and loss. And now I urge you to take heart, for there will be no loss of life among you, but only of the ship. For there stood by me this night an angel of the God of, to whom I belong and whom I serve, saying, Do not be afraid, Paul. You must be brought before Caesar, and indeed God has granted you all those who sail with you. Therefore, take heart, men, for I believe, God, that it will be just as it was told me. However, we must run aground on a certain island. Now when the fourteenth night had come, as we were driven up and down the Adriatic Sea, about midnight the sailors sensed they were drawing near some land. And they took soundings, and it was to be twenty fathoms. And when they had gone a little further, they took soundings again, and found it to be fifteen fathoms. Then fearing lest we should run aground on the rocks, they dropped four anchors from the stern and prayed for day to come. And as the sailors were seeking to escape from the ship, when they had let down the skiff into the sea under pretense of putting out anchors from the prow, Paul said to the centurion and the soldiers, unless these men stay in the ship, you cannot be saved. Then the soldiers cut away the ropes of the skiff and let it fall. And as day was about to dawn, Paul implored them all to take some food, saying, Today is the fourteenth day you have waited and continued without food and eaten nothing. Therefore, I urge you to take nourishment, for this is for your survival, since not a hair will fall from the head of any of you. And when he had said these things, he took bread and gave thanks to God in the presence of them all. And when he had broken it, began to eat. Then they were all encouraged and also took food themselves. And in all, there were 276 persons on the ship. So when they had eaten enough, they lightened the ship and threw out the wheat into the sea. So this really happened. You know, uh, the, the ship had 276 people on it. In fact, until modern times, a lot of uh, theologians and scientists said that there weren't ships actually that big at that time. And they said that this was just a fairy tale. It's really funny, in the last 50 or 60 years, they found dozens of ships actually older than the time of Paul that were much larger than this, even could hold five, six, seven, eight hundred people. Pretty amazing, isn't it? Let's believe God's word Amen. rather than the word of mankind. Amen? And so here we have this story of the, the Apostle Paul. He, he's arrested. He's on this ship. He's a prisoner. And, you know, he, he's on there for a ride, right? And a storm comes up 14 days without sun or stars. 14 days of a storm. Could you imagine? We complain when it, you know, there's a storm for three or four hours. And yet this just carried on and on and on. I don't know whether it was an attack of Satan upon Paul. I don't know. But uh, one day when I get to heaven, I'm going to ask, you know, that little fun fact and, and find out whether it was. But either way, this storm was really, really bad. Now, as I looked at this story, now, how did 
this all come to pass? We were reading, many of us, there's about 50 or 60 of us that are reading through the Bible chronologically. And so this past week, this actually was one of the readings that we read. And for the first time, and I've read it hundreds of times, literally. But for the first time, I saw it in a different light, especially in the light of the future harvest and in the light of having faith. And so I want us to look at this account like this, that that boat represents life that we live in. You know, and, 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 and on this boat, right, you've got sunny days, you've got cloudy days, you've got stormy days, you've got, uh, you know, different things going on, right? And, and we're all on a boat called life. And so as I began to look at it that way, I began to look at Paul as being the representative believer on that boat. So there's 275 other people, and, and then there's Paul. He's the believer, right? And so as I began to look at it, I see that Paul did some things. In fact, he said three different things while on that trip that I believe God has called you and I to do in our boat called life. You see, each one of us are on a boat, right? Now, there may be 275 or six people in your boat. There could be 10 people. There could be 1,000. In other words, what is your sphere of influence? You know, whether it's kids at school, whether it's uh, co-workers, whether it's your neighbor, whether it's family or relatives, each and every one of us, we have a sphere of influence. We're in a boat, and we're going through this thing called life, and storms come and storms go, uh, events happen, you know, you get sunny days, good days, bad days, everything in between, right? And so as I looked at this, all of a sudden I could see that the Lord was showing me at least, and I hope I can show you, three different things that Paul did as he interacted with the world around him. See, you and I aren't to be like the 275 people on the boat just hoping to survive, you know, screaming at every wave crashing over the bow of the boat. But listen, you and I, we're to have an inside track. Paul had that. And you know why Paul had that? Because God had told him, we read it, but God had told him, you are going to stand before Caesar. So what did Paul know? He was going to be okay. Let me tell you something. Right now, before anything more happens, you're going to be okay. Now, do you believe it, though? Because if you don't, you're like the 275 people on the boat screaming just for, to try to be alive. Are you able to get past that and realize that God's got a plan for your life? If you're a believer in Jesus, your future is secure. Amen. The question is, do you believe it? You hear this guy on the stage with no hair telling you that. But do you believe it? It doesn't matter whether I believe it. Do you believe it? Because it's your faith that will carry you in your boat called life. I can't carry it for you. I'm in my own boat. Dealing with my own stuff. You know what I'm saying? But you have to choose. Am I going to believe what God's word says? That I have a bright future in him. Are we going to be as smart as his weed? And face his presence and know that he's there for us. And so I want to give you these three things that Paul says. I believe it's the three things that we're to talk to the world around us, to the people around us. So let's look at the first one. First one is this. We are to warn of the dangerous times. Acts 27, verses 9 and 10. Now when much time had been spent and sailing was now dangerous because the fast was already over, Paul advised them, Men, I perceive that this voyage will end with disaster and much loss, not only of the cargo and ship, but also of our lives. Can I tell you that we live in a world that's more dangerous than it's ever been in history? Do you know that one-fifth of planet Earth right now that the U.S. government says do not travel to it? 
And they're not saying you shouldn't just go. It's not like a yellow caution thing saying, you know, you might get mugged or robbed. We're talking red flag where they're saying you could lose your life. 20% of planet Earth right now is so unpoliced, you know, so dangerous that we can't go there. Wow. Talk about dangerous times. These are the times that we live in. Now, again, I don't want to harp on, you know, all the negative of, of life, but I believe that you and I need to let people know that without Christ, life is dangerous. That's what we're called to do. To those around us, to be a light in this darkness, to let people know, look it, there is danger. And do you know if your future is secure or not? See, that danger is there, and it's part of life right now. And the thing is, we're not to be fearful of it. I hope in me telling you that 20% of the earth is the most dangerous, don't go there, that some of you aren't freaking out on the inside, but rather you're rising up saying, oh, cool. I'm with Jesus. He'll watch over me. I traveled to one of those places a lot of years ago, and I ended up being at gunpoint. And I'm not going to get into the story now, but I remember at the time saying, why am I not afraid, Jesus? I literally said that, you know, in the spirit. I said, why am I not? The guy's got a gun pointing right to my head. Let me tell you, he's close enough, he's not going to miss, all right? And I'm like, Lord, why am I not afraid? And all of a sudden I realized, he said, you're going to go there and you're going to come home. And I'm like, oh, that's why I'm not afraid. See, that can be you. I'm nobody special. I'm, God loves us all equally the same. But sometimes we have to go through a circumstance like that to realize that we have more faith than we think we have. You've got more faith than you think you have. And we go through trials and testings at times, the book of James says, so that our faith can be tested. Why? Not to crush us, but for us to come out and say, wow, that was cool. The line from Clint Eastwood came to me. It was like, make my day. Yeah, it, it was awesome. And I, that's some like 35, 34 years ago. I remember it like it was yesterday. It was such a faith moment. And God wants to give those to you as well. Now, I'm not saying go travel to some dangerous part of the world. God sent me there. See, and Paul was sent to Rome. And to go to Rome, he had to be on this ship to get to that place. And so Paul was secure. He knew, and so he could then begin to get outside of himself, knowing that he's secure, and begin to speak to those around him. And his first thing is one of warning. Hey, it's dangerous. Now, did anybody listen? Says the owner of the boat and the helmsman <laughs> ignored him, right? Blew him off. And so often, isn't that how it is for us too, right? We warn somebody around us, hey, you shouldn't do that. You know, that's bad for you. You know, I'm concerned for your well-being. And like, yeah, 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 yeah. Go down the road, you know, show, you know, speak to the hand kind of thing, right? And, and, and so here's the thing. Don't stop. It's above our pay grade how they respond. You hear what I'm saying? It's our job to just tell them, to warn them, all right? That's our job. What God does with it, that's up to him, all right? And how they respond is up to them. So that's the start. Okay, let's move on to the next one. All right. We are to declare that God is here and His grace is available. Acts 27, verses 21 to 26. But after a long abstinence from food, then Paul stood in the midst of them and said, Men, you should have listened to me and not have sailed from Crete and incurred this disaster and loss. And now I urge you, take heart, for there will be no loss of life among you, but only of the ship. For there stood by me 
this night an angel of the God to whom I belong and whom I serve, saying, Do not be afraid, Paul. You must be brought before Caesar, and indeed, God has granted you all those who sail with you. Therefore, take heart, men, for I believe God that it will be just as it was told me. However, we must run aground on a certain island. And so, Paul does get a little dig in, <laughs> right? Should have listened to me. Now, here's the problem for most of us. We dig, and we dig, and we keep digging, and we keep yelling and telling them, you shouldn't have done that. You know, I can't believe you did that. And we keep going and going and going. Paul took, what, half of a line to say, you should have listened to me. But listen, that's in the past. Let's move on now. And what did he do? He encouraged them. Now, what's interesting about it, the Lord said to Paul, don't be afraid. So it sounds like Paul was dealing with some fear and anxiety, wasn't he? You're going to deal with some fear and anxiety in this life. I'm not promising you that the fact that you believe your future is secure, that you won't have a few fears right here and right now. But here's the thing. It's a lot different being fearful and knowing your future than being fearful and having no hope for your future. It changes everything. You hear what I'm saying? So Paul had some fear. And what did the Lord do? Came to an angel, stood beside him and said, Paul, it's all going to be okay brought assurance. And the Lord will bring assurance to you as well. Listen, when you're in that place where you're like, God, I, I don't know. I, I, I'm fearful. I, I, I don't know. He'll come and he will bring assurance to you. You will not be alone through whatever you're going through. Now what I love about this, that Paul's own fear didn't keep him, I believe, from praying for the people on the ship. If you remember, his first word to them was, look at the cargo, the ship, and the people. Many will be lost. And here now, God promises that not one person will perish. I believe that Paul prayed. You see, are we able to, in our ship called life, get past praying just for ourselves and begin to pray for others that are in the boat around us? That's a sign of maturity. You want to know whether you're mature or not? Have a look at your prayers. Is it all about you? Or is it more about others? I, I'm sorry I'm poking you today. I don't, don't mean to. I, I do. I'm sorry but I'm not sorry. You know, what, what, what are your prayers reflected on? Is it more about the needs of those around you, how you can help them, interceding for their very life? My grandchildren, my children, I pray for them every single day. You know, if you've been around planet Earth for any length of time, the dangers that can happen. You know all the things that could take a, a, a young person off kilter and take them down a horrible, horrible road. You know, I think of the fentanyl crisis that's going on. That's just one thing. I, th I think of just all the, the, the stuff that's online that, that can screw up young people's heads and take them in directions that will just bring despair and hurt and pain. You know, the identity crisis that's going on in the world with young people. It's just, it's just, it, it breaks my heart. So every single day I'm interceding on their behalf. I'm being a Paul in that boat, crying out for God for mercy for them knowing that there are going to be storms going to come up in their life that are going to be insurmountable in some ways. Is that what you're doing as well? Are you able to come to a place of being like a Paul rather than just one of the screaming people in the boat just hoping the storm would come out, get over? See, God's called us to grow up. And that's hard sometimes because sometimes we're like, God, what about me? 
because we're in so much pain and we're hurting so much. And I get it. I'm one of you, okay? So I'm not preaching at you. I'm talking to me too at the same time. But here's what I've learned is that the Lord is there for you. He was there for Paul. If he was there for Paul, the Bible says this, he's irrespective of people. You know what that means? He treats everybody the same. If he was there for Paul, he'll be there for you. All right, let's move on to the third point. Third point is this, that we're to offer encouragement and hope for the future. Acts 27, verses 33 to 36. And as the day was about to dawn, Paul implored them all to take food, saying, Today is the 14th day. You have waited and continued without food and eaten nothing. Therefore, I urge you to take nourishment, for this is for your survival, since not a hair will fall from the head of any of you. And when he had said these things, he took bread, gave thanks to God in the presence of them all. And when he had broken it, he, and he began to eat. Then they were all encouraged and took food themselves. I believe, church, that this is probably our greatest point that you and I need to be focused on, that we're encouraging those around us, that no matter what storm people are going through right now, that you can go up to them and say, look, I know it's bad right now, but there's hope for the future. There's always hope for the future. And, and here's the thing. That's what we have to begin to believe ourselves. You see, you can't give out something you don't have. And so you've got to come to a place of believing that there is a future and a hope for you, and it's good. Now, it may mean you got to make some changes. I'm not going to say that you can just keep doing what you're doing and expect different results, but here's what I can tell you, that in God's file cabinet in heaven, there is a plan that's amazing for you. That's amazing for your family. That's amazing for your life. And the thing is, it's our job to find out what that is. Believe for it. Now listen, I don't know whether, maybe God reveals the whole thing to other people. But you know what I've learned? I get what I need to do today. And then when tomorrow comes, after I've done what I'm supposed to do today, I get what I need to know for tomorrow. And I find that as each day goes by, I see a pattern. And I see a direction. Kind of like a giant arrow on a road map. And I see where God is taking me. And that's what God has for each and every one of you. And so I want to close with just one little scripture verse. It's from 1 John chapter 5, verses 3 and 4. In fact, this is love for God, to keep His commandments. And His commandments are not burdensome. For everyone born of God overcomes the world. This is the victory that has overcome the world, even our faith. Just look at that for a minute. You know, you may look at that and at first glance, you're like, oh, okay, there's thousands of commandments in the Bible. And there is. But Jesus summed up the commandments into two. And he said to love the Lord God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind, with all your strength, and to love your neighbor as yourself. And then he went on to say that all of the law and prophets hinge on those two commands. So love God and then love others. The story, the account of the Apostle Paul is a great example of a man who loved God and loved others. And so it goes on and says, for everyone born of God overcomes the world. What that's talking about, that, that word world is, is, is cosmos, which means world system. In other words, when we have given ourselves to the Lord, when we're pointed towards the light, we will overcome any obstacle this world can throw at us. And how? Here's what we're told. This is the victory that has overcome the world, even our faith. We overcome the world by our trust in Jesus and that our future is secure. So let's stand together.
See, we got two groups of people here today. Well, actually three. We've got people who know Jesus, and I pray you all do. But then maybe some people who don't know Jesus. Well, here's the thing. To know Jesus isn't about joining a church or becoming more religious or anything like that. It's just accepting what Jesus did on the cross of Calvary. Accepting that he died in your place because you should pay the price for your own sins, for your own wrongdoing. But Jesus took that place. And all you have to do is say yes to what he did. That's it. You don't got to do any other works. You don't got to pay any money. You don't got to do, you know, any, anything else. But begin there. So if that's you, invite Jesus into your heart right now as Lord and Savior. And if you do that, come and let me know after. I'd love to talk with you. But I want to talk about the other two groups of people that are here right now. You're maybe one of the 275 people that were in the boat with Paul. And you're just literally holding on to the side of the boat. You're just holding on for dear life because of the storm that you're in right now. Just with every head bowed right now, if you feel like you're that person, just put your hand up. I'm not going to ask you to come forward. Just put your hand up. Yep, I see those hands raised everywhere. You can put your hands down. Lord, you see those hands, and those are the ones I want to pray for first. Lord God, you know, when I'm talking about sharing with others, they're like, look it, I can hardly hold on to my own faith, let alone share my faith with anyone else. Lord, I pray for strength right now for those individuals. That though there may be a storm going on right now, I pray, Lord, right now in the name of Jesus, maybe through something I've said or through your spirit directly, however you want to do it, that, Lord, that they've been encouraged in their walk with you. That in their journey, they are not alone, but you were there and you were for them and not against them. That there is a future planned that's a good future for them. And, Lord, I pray that they can begin to let go of the bow of the boat and grab hold of you instead to take their eyes off the circumstances and fix their eyes upon you, the light of life. And Lord God, in, in doing so, peace would begin to flood their souls, even right now at this very moment. Lord, I pray for those right now that identify more as, the, uh, as Paul, as, as the one in the boat, as, as a representative of you. And I pray, Lord God, for strength for them, that they can be just a greater light for you, that, Lord God, as they become more secure in their own faith with you, then in turn, they can share their faith more freely and more openly with those around them in their boat. Lord, I thank you for every single person that's here, every single person watching, and I pray, Lord God, that they would truly have faith in their future because, Lord, you've got one for us. And it's good. And we're grateful for that. So Lord, bless each one here. In Jesus' mighty name, amen. Amen. God bless you this morning.